We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. As always, as always, I'm your host, Eric Bertsloff, better known on Twitter as at Dynasty Trades, joined by Nathan and Dan. Sup, guys? As most of the time, I'm here, so that's that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here, though. I am happy. We've got a great guest. Nathan's here with audio, so that's positive. We're, we're in a good place. We're in a good yeah. place. So, was- so how, how many shows of good audio is it going to take for my audio not to... Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com come up as a subject like uh, it's gonna be, be like next september or like have you yeah. ever listened to radio nathan like d- like <laughs> joke like jokes making fun of co-hosts literally never die like there's like yeah, howard Stern jokes that have been going on for year for 20 years okay well I'm, I'm still with you guys in 20 years i'm i'm that's a problem what? <laughs> Unbelievable. We're going to be filthy rich, Nathan, in 20 years. All right, bring in, bring in the guest. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I'm excited to welcome in the guest, uh, Dan Myler. Uh, he has just BSed with us for roughly 20 minutes before the show got started. Um, and he is the host of the DLF podcast. And uh, you can find him on Twitter at DMailer22. Mailer, Myler. God, that's bad. Myler. M E Y L O R. Hi Dan, I destroyed your name. What's up, man? It's a regular thing. Nobody knows. I, I don't get it either because it's M E Y, and, and nobody ever says Mayor when they see see a Meyer name. So I digress. <laughs> you should get rid of the E. Get rid of the E. Yeah. I think. Okay, I'll work on that. I'll I'll talk to my mom. 
<laughs> Change the family name. Perfect. Uh, so we're going to be joined by Dan uh, to talk through some auction trading strategies, and then we're going to wrap the game with a, or wrap the show rather with a game, and that is a, a game of uh, Dynasty Tender. So we're going to be swiping right and left on some trades. Uh, for those of you that don't know Dynasty t- Trade Tender, we basically just talk about trades in framed in a, an online app that you use, you know, to get busy. We sexualize it, basically, is what he's trying to say. Yeah, I mean, what good radio show doesn't, though, Dan? Right. That's, I mean, valid. Valid point. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, I want to let you guys know you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also helps support the pod. You can contact us via email. That's the same email as always, rotovizradio at gmail.com, or slide into those Twitter DMs. That's at rotovizradio. Rotoviz Radio and its fantastic collection of podcasts are now available on both Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz Radio shows under Rotoviz Radio. Um, and we also have our own individual feed for just this show. You can simply search Dynasty Tradecast, a Rotoviz fantasy football podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. So subscribe and leave us a rating and review ideally five stars unless of course nathan's review or nathan's audio is bad then you can leave a one star review and change it later (laughs) all right on that note nathan uh, i hope your audio is good so we have good reviews uh why don't we jump into the topics of the show today all right our topic today uh is auction trading uh dan myler is one of the better auctioneers i have played with in the fantasy industry so i figured it'd be a good uh, topic to discuss with him and the first one, we're kind of just going to go through all the variations of trading with, with auction dollars. And the first one is going to be, how does pick value differ from a normal league for future picks? Are you more or less likely to do your future picks when it's an auction versus a draft? And we can start with the salamander on this one. How does, how does the, the two differ when it talks to trading future picks? Well, I mean, it kind of depends. It kind of depends on the, the makeup of the league, honestly, but I really don't don't treat it all that much different. You know, if it's super flex and things like that, I might hold off a touch, but in most cases I'm trying to win. So future picks are almost always coming off, even though they have their least amount of value when you first get them. I'm usually just trying to trade them for someone with a decent contract that can help me win. Um, But again, it it, kind of depends. So if it's like, let's say for instance, kitchen sink, um, super, super flex league where, you know, quarterbacks obviously matter a ton when they when they run out of contracts. Those guys are going for tons of money in auctions and whatnot. So when when it's something like that, I'm a little more likely to hang on. Um, you know, and then let's assume for this instance that Debbie isn't incorporated. So there's always going to be a full a full grip of quarterbacks coming into the league. So that's going to make those just a little bit more valuable. Obviously, um, so that might make me pump fake a little bit more unless I'm flush at, at quarterback. So this is kind of individualized per league, but generally speaking, if you're trying to win, moving the picks early isn't always the best thing to do, but it does help you win. Well, I mean, I guess the question is how does it differ from a normal league? And and I'm not sure it, it overall to me does in an auction league versus just a regular draft. I think You've just, but I, th- I think it has to be very conditionally answered. Is is it depends on how the league is valuing things. If you happen to have a league that you have six guys trying a productive struggle or ten guys trying a productive struggle, well, your picks are worth more. Um, and so, if, if the picks hit the right value, and what I'll say is, it's much easier in an auction to actually find that exact value where it tips the scale for you. Whereas in a regular draft, it's a little bit more difficult to find that exact value and find a deal that makes a ton of sense. It's also really easy to move one of those picks and go get yourself a guy that maybe is on their last, you know, we're not really talking contracts, but um, if it's, you know, on the last year of a contract or if it's someone that, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck in a spot and they need to, they need to get rid of somebody or somebody that likes to collect draft picks, Nathan, um, you know, you can find draft collectors and, and you can get a lot of good stuff off of their squads for, for future picks. But that's true in every league, really. Yeah, whether you're correct. whether you're talking about auction or draft in a in a rookie format, I think the biggest difference when you're trying to just simply compare the two, or the biggest thing that you should consider is is how how good your team really is. There's really two factors, I think. It, it, 
in an auction league, if your team is, is truly good, trading away those picks are even more valuable, especially, and this is the second factor that really matters, if you have a good value chart. If the, if the top pick gives you way more money than the third and sixth pick, for example, combined, um, and, and that, that goes back to how good your commissioner is when he, when he builds that value chart and, yep. and hands out those dollars for each pick spot. So I think what matters the most is if you're a good team and you, you truly are quality, and this goes back to always looking honestly at your roster, trading those picks becomes a lot more valuable because when you translate your 10th pick in the first, second, and third round to cash, the guy who is rebuilding and collecting picks, and like you said earlier, Eric, if there's multiple guys doing that, they are collecting so many dollars worth of picks that you're going to end up not only being the 10th highest value of cash available when the draft comes around, but people will be able to lap you multiple times. Their, yeah. their amount of cash, if you have $500, there might be somebody with with 2,600, another with yep. 2,100, and another with 1,800. And those guys can not only get the best players, but also get the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th best player. And you'll end up paying low-end first round uh, or late first round prices for players that will be in the middle or even late part of the second round. And that's where you're not getting good value. So trading your picks becomes way more valuable. That's I love that. I love that take, Dan. That is exactly right. Where looking and seeing how much money the rest of the pack has basically sets the valuation for what players are going to go for in the top tier. And so like your 110 is your 110, 210, 310, you're going to be able to think with that. So it's, it's likely best to get rid of regardless. There's two things for me that I look at that differ between an auction and a draft in terms of trading future picks. The first is if I have acquired a pick and it ends up looking like it's going to be an early, early pick. Um, normally I'm, I'm wanting to hold on to that pick. I think they might get the one Oh one, you know, that's Saquon Barkley this year in an auction league. The 101 worth of rookie money is not going to get you Saquon Barkley. So I'm a little more, bit more loose in trading that early rookie money because I think that I'm going to end up having to pay more with this money anyway. So if I need to trade it for a stud today, I'm perfectly willing to do that because it's more of a guarantee than a guy who, who knows how much he'll go for in the auction. And then the other one is I am all about hoarding the, the second and third round rookie picks in the, in the format of auctions because if you get three, four, five second round picks at a very cheap value – that can turn into, you know, the 210, 211, and 212 might end up being worth like the 106 or 107 based on, you know, the, the most <clears throat> popular charts out there. So I'm all about trying to hoard some of those later picks just because when you add them up all together, they become a, an excellent value for your team. I'm on board with that, Nathan. I appreciate your onboardness. Hey. Let's move. Aye, aye, Captain. I'm on board. <laughs> are, are you on board, Dan Meyer? Sure. Yeah. Okay, there you go. All right. Next one. This is ridiculous. When picks turn into dollars, uh, how does that impact trade value? Comparison, you're looking at a late first in November, December, and then once the rookie dollars are calculated, that turns into 100 rookie dollars. Is there something different about looking at, okay, this is a late first versus this is this exact amount of rookie money? How does your trading strategies change just from the end of the season to when that money is calculated? Go, Eric. Yeah, this is... This is what separates the men from the boys in auction leagues, I think, is there's something that bad and even good dynasty players or average ones see when they see like that 2000 set, when they see that future first written out that way, their brain does like jujitsu on them and it's suddenly (laughs) more valuable than if they went into the chart and they're like, oh, that's like 64 rookie dollars. That's not as appealing. Uh, But that's kind of, I think, the switch that happens, though, is when it's just a future first. And it's kind of the same thing in, like, regular leagues, too, is, like, it's really, really sexy when it's the 110, but not so much once it's David Njoku, you know? Like, there's there's not as much sex appeal as that as as a future first. Uh, So I think there's a lot of that, and and I think that people just – and leave it to me to give this example, but people aren't reading the bylaws as closely as they should be in a lot of these. <laughs> and so it opens up an opportunity for you as a studious owner, not me as a studious owner, clearly Steven Anderson and uh, you know, uh, oops. And uh, but, but I mean, there's a lot of places for you to exploit them. Yeah. There's that, that perception of the value of, like you said, Eric, of just seeing, 
ooh, rookie pick. I don't know right. what it is, or maybe I do know what it is, and it looks great as 106. But now once I realize what 101, 102, 103, how much those, how much more those are worth, you know, once it turns into an actual dollar amount, it becomes it becomes devalued, not in like a literal sense, like, oh, all of a sudden the money is now not worth anything, but perceiving it that way. Now it's now you're kind of like, OK, well, that's that's, you know, whatever. Now you throw that into the, the rest of the money in one big pot and. Now I've only got a little piece, a little slice of the pie. Whereas looking at it as an actual pick, you feel like you have something when you really don't. And that's that's an interesting point, Dan, is because rookie money doesn't necessarily mean you get a pick anywhere near what right. that rookie money is. Not even at. close. Not even close. Right. So again, it goes all the way back to if I do this trade, where will that put me in the overall standings of, yes. of how many dollars are available in this auction? Uh, if if it makes me the third highest and nobody can lap me, I like to call it lap lapping me. Uh, where you have double fair. double your cash, um, then it, then you can start placing a name on a player. If you if you have the third most cash and nobody laps you, you should get the third best player in the draft, uh, and you should be that aggressive to go get them because you can't um, you you can't figure out you can't dictate what's going to happen later on in the auction. People might be holding back and not doing the same thing as you. And and you won't be able to get the third best player in the second round or that, that 15th overall player. I think, I think the biggest mistake that dynasty owners make when making these deals or considering these deals probably is that, that once the, once those picks become dollars, the rookie dollar chart completely disappears. So you can still go back to that chart and say, okay, I'm getting $117 in this deal. Where do, what pick is that worth? And then do the math and figure out wh- where that puts me in the standings or, or in the available money that's available and figure out what kind of player or try to predict to, to the best that you can what player that lands you. Uh, that's the number one factor. Um, you can't consider future picks that will get you even more money or, or, or future trades that will get you even more money. You have to deal with that specific deal and, and move forward from it. So, so keeping that rookie chart uh, available and, and at your fingertips can be helpful when making those deals. I think it can be helpful, but at the same time, and, and like you just mentioned with knowing where you stand, if you have the third most not being lapped and things like that, you're almost trading against the value of where you're standing rather than against the chart. The chart's nice to know where it's going, but like you said, Dan, you you need to know where it's going to put you on that list and how important that is because once you can actually find a home on that list, that that's what's important. I, I don't I don't think, you know, it's nice to be able to move just a portion of your money to someone for whatever and you can say, "Hey, this is worth the 201." blah 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 but when you're when you are physically going to attain it or trying to maybe sell it you need to think about what that's doing to your spot within the entire auction yeah i mean <laughs> is there is there is there something and, I, and i'll kick to you nathan but is there if we have a lot of money because this is a spot i've found myself in before is like i'm number two in money number three is not that close is that a spot that you guys are looking to trade off money like two people to just get essentially free items because you're, you're still going to be able to get that one Oh two. Absolutely. That's another uh, nice place to, to, to be. And if you can predict that uh, you're probably, but the problem is if you can predict it, you're probably a better dynasty player than I am because the second that you, you make that deal uh, that guy in third place, all of a sudden picks up $400 from, from the guy right. in eighth place in, in overall money. And then you're, you're not guaranteeing yourself, guaranteeing yourself guys or, or whoever you covet at that number two spot. So until that auction starts, and I know we're going to talk about that as we go on here, um, it, it's best to to try to walk on eggshells a little bit when it comes to that cash and not get, think that you have anything guaranteed to you because you certainly don't. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, a lot of you guys are going along with Dan saying about, you know, looking at the how much money other people, other people have. But I don't really look at that until May or when, whenever the auction's about to start because – in my leagues, they're pretty active and hundreds of dollars exchange hands from, you know, January to May. So, I mean, yes, it's good knowledge to have on hand, but for the most part, I don't think it really matters until right and when the auction is going to begin. Um, but we'll move on to our next one, and it's going to be uh, – and let's try not to turn this into another The Kitchen Sink League podcast brought to you by Ryan McDowell. Um, 
in Debbie, Debbie leagues, h- how does a Debbie dollar compare to a rookie dollar? And we'll just say for the sake of this exercise, because most Debbie leagues and auctions that I've seen are a 24 to 36 Debbies renting the pool each year, two to three per team. So uh, Dan Myler, how does a rookie dollar uh, compare to a Debbie dollar? And then I guess the format in general of maybe limit, a limitation of Debbie spots, or maybe the league has a whole limitation of Debbie spots. Uh, how does that differ as well? Okay, this I'll try not to talk in too much kitchen sink terms because those are the leagues <laughs> I play in with Debbie and, and auctions combined. But in general, uh, I it, it depends. First of all, it depends completely on where you are as, as a league. If it's an established league and you're four or five years into it and you're allowing twenty four to thirty six Debbies come into the player pool, then your rookie draft is thinned out dramatically. If you're in year one, that changes things. So in in a, in a brand new league, those rookie dollars are much more valuable than a Debbie dollar. However, the Debbie dollars do carry a lot of weight still because those top names are still there. It's probably closer to even. As the league becomes more and more mature, you start to see more and more of those Debbies uh, become those rookies. And then suddenly you, 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 you don't see big names in, in the rookie field. And, and you're looking at the top player being Baker Mayfield rather than Saquon Barkley. So the dollars don't translate as easily between Debbie and rookie. I'll tell you that once a league gets established and once I feel like I have a good handle on the fellow owners in the league, the Debbie auction means way more to me, and I'd much rather have more dollars there than in the rookie auction. In fact, I've regularly traded completely out of rookie auctions in an established Debbie league to, to add to my Debbie, um, particularly the roster, if I can get extra spots, add extra players to that, to that taxi squad. I like to do that. So, you know, once, once that league becomes established, I typically build three to four years out. I'm looking at freshmen and sophomores in college that can help me and become uh, big time players, uh, weak winning type players. A few years ago, that, that guy was Saquon Barkley. I, I was buying him in every league I ha- had in Debbie and that's paid off. Now I've had a couple duds in there too, but the thing I always come back to in a Debbie league is if I'm if I'm weighing a rookie against the Debbie player, I want the guy that has the potential at some point on my roster to be a dynamic player and win me the league. And very rarely is there a rookie in a Debbie league that can do that. There are always those players in a Debbie auction and I try to be the guy that can pinpoint that player. Come on, what about Kevin White? You're 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 you're, you're being selective. That's, that's what it's nose, all. Buddy. That's what it's full of, though. It's it's all the late risers. It's the guys that no one predicted would be, you know, first or second round picks in the NFL draft. And now, now that's what you have to deal with. Say by by year three, you know, it's it's pretty picked over. There's not a whole lot to to go on. You know, you're so thin at the top. You got maybe five or six guys that would you you would even consider as like a late first or an early second pick and like dan said you go from having barkley be the the best guy to mayfield being the best guy no that's not the worst thing in the universe but why would you want to have a major role in a rookie draft with limited limited you know um ceiling when you could go back to the debbie draft and now Obviously, you have to lean on your, you know, limited scouting abilities and, you know, websites like 247 and and all that and Huddle and all these different websites. You kind of have to lean on those to get rankings and things like that. But as far as the actual value goes, it, it you like like Dan said, it, <clears throat> he hit it right on the head. Year one, basically even. Beyond that, it's it's you want you want to be in the Debbie and you just kind of want to avoid rookie drafts. So what I usually do if we're looking for kind of a strategy um, within this is I will find whoever is leading in the rookie money category or I'll find the second guy and I'll give them whatever I have. Assuming I have some left, I'll give it to the guys that are now kind of committed to the bit because they have all of that extra stock. They have all of that money to go towards these guys. Why not give them that perceived advantage? Um, you know, now they're they're going to end up fighting over two guys. And who wants the edge? Well, I'll take an actual player. You can have this rookie money so you can rebuild your team. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll kick to Nathan and I'll just say this is one of those questions that I I'm not sure I know the answer to. I'm still trying to learn that myself in a lot of leagues. But I think your insight is really good, and I think it is much like many things in flux, and it, it and it. And it 
as well, it's an answer of like, it depends on where you're at in your league at that time. Yeah. I'll, I'll start off by saying for the most part, I agree with a lot of what you guys said in pretty much any scenario, 300 Debbie dollars is going to get you a better player than 300 rookie dollars. Well, simply because of the, the, the pick through player pool. But the one difference is in Debbie leagues, if there's a guarantee of, okay, if I have a dollar and I have one Debbie spot, I'm going to get a player. I think that if I can get, okay, I'm going to get the 36th best Debbie player and I can invest all my money into the rookie auction and get a Baker Mayfield or and get you know John Ross or someone like that who is a late breakout. I know John Ross is not a great example, but you know a guy who ends up rising up ends up being a, a decently valued rookie. I think that there is uh, some value into going – going lower in the Debbie and then going towards that top guy that, that gets um, left over after the Debbie auction. So I, I think that, yes, you're going to want to get those top-end Debbie guys, but I think there's an argument for, you know, going a little bit lower and maybe even trying and being the guy that gets that top value guy as well. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the name of the game is getting points now. So uh, I think I think there's definitely a balance there somewhere, Nathan. Um, where maybe maybe you just kind of go all out within the Debbie auction. You try to find your guy, and then maybe sell off the back end stuff and start to work towards getting that high end rookie guy. I, there's there's a balance there, but for the most part, I think I'm I'm you know it's going to be kind of the Dan's versus uh, Eric in the clouds and Nathan on his own side. Where I think I'd much rather just be out of the rookie draft unless I can find myself a considerable deal to land one of those top guys. And I, think I that's do a- think that there is a point when when you really feel like there is a value in rookie drafts. I I, I fall on that side of the fence regularly. If, excuse me. And the the thing that I, I I find a little bit of luck with, or or at least uh, feel a little bit better about when it comes to those rookie auctions in leagues that have been around for a few years, is if you if you feel like a player that's typically going in the third round of a rookie draft is worth a mid or even a high second round pick. If, if you see a huge disparity there and that player happens to be in the rookie draft or rookie auction, you can pounce on that and get such a great value that it's worth holding on to a few bucks for that. So, so I've been known to, to hold on to $5 or hold on to $20 or whatever I can get my hands on if, if it doesn't really help me build for now, like Dan was talking about, just in case something like that happens, because it really burns when you're sitting there and you're watching that player that you covet as your third round guy, the Stefan Diggs of the world, and he goes for pennies and you didn't have the few bucks left over to go get him. It'd be like DJ Moore this year. Too late for All that. right. <laughs> Let's move on to our next one, and this is going to be acquiring, trading uh, away uh, rookie money pre versus post NFL draft. And I'll just pose this question. Today, we were recording this on April 2nd. Dan, is there ever a scenario in a rookie auction where money is worth more on April 2nd than it is on May 15th? Go to the smart Dan first. Dan Meyer. It's exactly the same. (laughs) It's going to be exactly the same as if it were a draft. So your dollars get more and more valuable as you get closer and closer to the draft. Now, this is, again, assuming that we're not in a Debbie league and we have that impl- entire player pool to to go to. So, so those Sappy players enough. don't have a, uh, a landing spot. They're going to have that soon. All that information is going to give us more information to to digest and make fe- make us feel all warm and cozy about those top end prospects and maybe a little less about those lower end guys. So it goes back to what we talked about originally acquiring or trading away these dollars pre and post draft all all comes down to if you have the all the information in front of you and how 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 much you feel about these players and then where you fall in the pecking order of overall dollars. I don't think it changes. Uh, drastically, but you it makes you feel a heck of a lot better about specific situations and players just like a draft does. Yep, I mean, that's... And I think, actually, I, I kind of have a theory, and I'm not sure that it's... I think that it actually peaks a little bit before the draft. Um, as it becomes more and more solidified as the where picks are likely going, I think that money starts to, starts to de- devalue ever so slightly right beforehand, especially in Shark Leagues. Like, friend leagues where guys are like oh crap i don't have any money to bid i want to like get involved in this draft like that's different or if you have a live draft i have a denver live draft that like even i'm like it would be really fun to have a pick this year and if i didn't just 
try to win the league last year or whatever. Like it would be really nice to have like a couple picks so I can sit there and drink beer and have a good time. But um, I think that there is a window there that's like maybe maybe it is a month before. Maybe it's like right about maybe it's like right about now, fifteen fifteen days before the draft, something like that, where it's really plateaued because it seems so certain. Yeah, I think that it also depends on how much money you have, at, you know, in regards to your rookie auction. If you have no money, you're kind of getting desperate as the, as we get closer and closer. Like, oh, I'd really like to have $20. Right. So I'd really like to have 60 And that's when you start going towards the guys that have a lot of money and say, oh, do you really need $600 rookie? Maybe, maybe you should get throwing me about 60 for this. They come or, to know. Nathan crawling and Nathan pay the pipers, what you're saying? Uh, that, that can happen uh, occasionally, <laughs> but I, I think that if you're in that, if you're in that middle ground, and we, we keep on going back to where you are in the pecking order, but I feel like if you're in the middle ground of, of the rookie auction, you're thinking, well, I need to go one way or the other here. Either I need to sell off some of this money to the top guys and you know just get the assets that way, or I need to get some more money so I can compete with can compete with those top dogs. So definitely don't want to be you know stuck in the middle there. So basically, the answer to this question is more so. You know, what are you looking to do with your draft rather than when it's actually occurring with the draft? All right, let's continue. And this is kind of an, a continuation of the same topic. But this is acquiring trading money pre-auction versus during. So we've talked about uh, pre. Uh, during the auction, what, what are some of your strategies in regards to trading for or trading away rookie money, Dan Myler? I think the primary thing to keep in mind is that on day one of a draft or an auction, it's difficult to get assets. Um, because that, that price continues to go up until every, when everything's on the board. Now, once there are 10 or 12 names nominated in an auction, things become really real. And these owners see not only that I have the money, but now I have the immediate chance to go get Saquon Barkley or to go get the quarterback that I cover covet in a super flex. So, so things get like everybody says, deadline spring action. And, and that's what's going to happen just like in a draft. I think it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult to get people with a lot of money or owners with a lot of money to move off that money, especially on day one. The thing where I've had, or the, the way I've had success in the past is when those players, those top end players, those dollar amounts start creeping into higher, creeping higher and higher. And suddenly the, the owners on the lower end of the tier or the lower end of the spectrum start to think, wow, I'm really not going to get these guys. Those are the, the, uh, uh, that's the prey you want to pounce on, if you will. That's, that's what you want to go after and get that $80 here and the $60 there to suddenly make you a player for the bigger names and, and bump you from the 108 all the way up to the 104 and you feel really good about what you got in the deal. Yeah, I like that. It's, it, you're basically playing defense um, if you are one of those kind of top upper echelon within the rookie auction. You know, if you're a top three, top five, you, you kind of have to play a little bit of defense and, and protect – whatever you're trying to buy you know if you're going after uh you know Darius Geis or whatever it happens to be even if it is Barkley you know you kind of you have to keep an eye on the moves that are happening around you and play a little bit of defense now you don't want to go crazy and see someone all of a sudden got within a few dollars of you and you don't want to overpay to protect your asset if if you can kind of hamstring somebody once they come in and and take your player out from under you and now that means you can go get two players for that price or whatever it happens to be Uh, i think there's there's a really really fine line you need to walk of overpaying for protection and knowing when to walk away um and and like dan said before preying on those on those guys that finally realize that none of these guys are going to be a deal or they're not going to be able to walk away and steal any of these guys especially early on there's an occasion where where somebody will get bumped late and then, you know, they'll just kind of hang around the board and some of the top dogs are locked up and they just don't really want to move their money around. And now you've got, you know, a, a potential deal there, but those are, you know, the, the prey, the, the lower end guys are, are where you need to kind of focus in if you are trying to protect your higher end asset, or if you're just looking to get a little bit more out of it. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice, Dan. I, I, I really think if you're one of the guys that, or one of the owners, I should say, that have the, have the top end money, the first, second, third guy on the list, um, 
trying to play defense is is great advice. I think the the next bit of advice you should take is to be incredibly aggressive. The first thing I do if I have the most money is and, and Saquon Barkley's on the board, I bid at least what the number two, I, I bid exactly what the number two guy has in cash. And I want to, if, if in fact, I feel like he is, he is the number one player on the board and I absolutely want to get him. Yeah. I just take him away. Now, maybe, maybe I bid $20 less or $50 less. Maybe I wait an hour into the auction or until that guy with the number two amount of money has made a bid on a different player or made his bid on Barkley. But I, I want to be aggressive and go capture the guy that I really want. Now, if especially if you're after the number three guy, maybe it's super flex and you're after a quarterback rather than Saquon Barkley, uh, you can you can try to save a little bit bit of money. And and I'm not saying immediately and and it kind of came out that way. Just spend the money and 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 spend the eight hundred dollars because that's what the second guy has. Uh, but you want to be aggressive and try to scare those guys off of your top, your your top guy on your board. Yeah, I mean, there's one little there's. I've set a trap before that actually worked, where I had the most money and actually set the number one less dollar than what the second guy had because I didn't want the one one and actually let him bid all of his money on it and uh, <laughs> took basically took him out of the play, uh, which. I don't know. Maybe it was a trap. Maybe it wasn't. But at least I made him go away and then just ravaged the board from there, which I had no depth on my team. So one player wasn't saving me. But there's there's a little tricks like that. One And one thing that I thought that was of, pretty risky, though, Eric, to, you could have totally. got stuck spending most of your money on a player you really didn't want. Exactly. Well, that's that's kind of the nature of this. And that's kind of what one of the things I was going to harp on there is is. Go getting gimmicky, and that was what I was going to preface with. Is like if you're getting gimmicky, you're probably doing auctions wrong. Um, that gimmick, like g- getting somebody in a trap, is so fun. It's like you can hold it over somebody's head forever, or like you know, like you're you're bidding somebody up and you didn't even want them, and you made them pay extra money. That's great, but the times that you get stuck with your hand in the cookie jar feel so much worse than that. So, um, in general, sure. I would I would recommend that guys are are bidding on only players they want. But one thing I wanted to talk about was was management in a slow draft format at an auction that I don't think is on our discussion board here, but there's managing your assets and money in draft in real time, I think is something that is under, that is like that's overlooked is in a startup draft, especially like being able to have the flexibility to find a deal and not have so much money locked up because you locked up assets that there is a bit of give and take in like just making sure that you have money available to make sure that deals aren't slipping by you. Um, And then also like waiting, for example, one thing that I'll always do is wait if I've got somebody and it seems like a sure thing, I'll wait till that processes and, and shit that somebody could be 10 minutes behind me that I'm planning to bid on, but I'll wait for that one to go then swoop back in for the guy 10 minutes later, because I want to make sure that I have my sure thing asset. I'll wrap us up with my biggest strategy when it comes to rookie auctions is I want my guys off the board as absolutely quickly as possible. Sometimes that's a little bit easier said than done, but I'm pretty much always putting my targets up the first day, first two days, because I think that as the auction goes on, people start to see, oh, well, I have $210 left, and uh, the 103 went off the board for 180, and now I'm going to end up paying 210 for the 112. So I, I think that the quicker you can get guys off the board, the better, and as well as once you take that money money away from yourself, you get the guys that you wanted. Then you can go out and sell off that money to teams that want to make sure that they're getting the late first, early second type prospects. Make sure you can send that off to them while there's still players on the board because once, you know, the first 15 to 16 top players are off the board, nobody really wants rookie money anymore. And in a Debbie league, it's an even quicker thing where it's like, all right, there's four players, and after that, no one cares what's left on the board. Yeah, that, totally that is exactly what I was trying to say, Nathan, when I said be aggressive. You said it so much better than I did. Yeah, thank you. I think you need to pick your target out early. Uh, and maybe it is only one guy. You know, maybe it's a few guys and you can kind of ration your money off a little bit. But that's usually going to mean you're probably not going to get at least one of those guys. I think I think you set your, your hopes high and you you target one guy. You get him, and then you move the rest of that money off to people fighting over someone that you didn't target. You know, a lot of times there ends up being a few owners that go after the same player and they just end up bidding each other up. And if you can avoid that, you're golden uh, because now they're spending all of their money and they're ignoring your player. So 
um, you can kind of keep an eye out for stuff like that. And, and, you know, at that point you can kind of put those guys against each other to, to take some money off of you. If it gets to that point, you know, maybe you get your guy off early. Like Nathan said, he's, he's off the board within, you know, maybe 36 hours or 48 hours. Normally it's not like first thing. It's ideal when you can get them off. Right. right in like, the first 24, right. First 24. That's tough to yeah. do. Um, but um, unless you're dominant in the, yeah. in the cash category, that's, that's usually not gonna happen, but if it does great. Um, well, so you can get your guys out of there, let them fight, and then just throw your money into the middle, and whoever comes out with the highest bid for your cash, even better. And, there's, and there's that's that- where we're putting oh, that big bid comes in, comes in handy, Dan. Uh, if you put if you have if the second if you have a thousand dollars and the second most has eight hundred and you put eight hundred on him and let that just co- continuously walk up and wait the twenty four hours, you you know you're going to win the player. You're going to have two hundred dollars left, and or at least. And if you get a bargain on the player, you then have more money to either transfer to the second guy on your list, or, or maybe he's the 110 or the 112 or that, that second round guy that you think is a late first. Or you, like Nathan said, you, you trade that money to, to somebody else and improve your team that way. So it's, it's all about getting the number one. If you have the most money, get the number one guy on your board no matter what and get him off the board as fast as you can. And there's definitely a psychology to this too, because there is an aspect of if you get into a bidding war with somebody that suddenly that's when somebody is like, starts thinking about somebody on their team and they're like, Oh, I really like like Saquon could be mine. And then you keep going back and forth with them playing games. And then suddenly they're, they, you get to 800, they're capped and they're like, no, actually I pictured him on my team and he goes and makes some trade and makes you pay more. There's something psychologically that just crushes somebody when they realize, okay, like this, he was never on my team at any given point in this auction. So I'll just let him go and re-strategize. All right. Well, let me tell you guys about our sponsor on that note. Uh, our, our show this week is sponsored by our friends over at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Uh, for most people, it's the offseason, but not for the FFPC. If you're ready to draft now, the FFPC has best ball leagues that are drafting daily with entry fees that, are j- that start at just $35 in both slow and live drafts. Actually, uh, after this read, I'll tell you guys about an opportunity to get one of those entries for free. Uh, if you have, uh, if you do like Dynasty, which I assume you do if you like the show, uh, the FFPC has over 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going all the way up to $2,500. And here's something incredible. Not a single Dynasty league is folded in eight years. New Dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching right after the NFL draft. So don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's M yffpc.com the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football and if you follow me on twitter which i also assume you do at dynasty trades i pinned up a tweet uh, for an opportunity to win a free $35 best ball double up entry from our friends over at the ffpc so it's totally free to enter all you've got to do is retweet the the tweet and then reply to the tweet with your favorite trade trade cast moment. Um, and as I joke in the post, five star ratings and reviews won't hurt you either. But uh, you know, basically, if you can just give your favorite Nathan moment, just take it just takes a second. You could win thirty five bucks an entry into uh, one of the leagues that we talk about every week here on the trade cast. Uh, so make sure you go check that out. It's pinned on my Twitter at that's twitter.com slash dynasty trades. Okay, Nathan, let's go ahead and dive in to the dynasty tender trade game it's swiping time it's wow that's like it's like uh morphin time but swiping time swipers no swiping yeah. all right very good we're gonna get our right. hive bumble all right you mess that every time nobody nobody uses those apps um oh, no hinge everybody fun. uses these days hinge is the thing i'm positive of it i have no idea what that is but yeah no um, you're, it's only because you're 20 i'm i'm like 25 now. i'm too old um, all right. So for those that are unaware on Tinder, uh, you swipe right if you like the fellow or the lady that pops up on your screen. So basically the, the first side will be you and you will decide if this, this, uh, the thing that pops up on your screen is good enough. Swipe right and you take that side, you accept the deal or you swipe left. And you say, nah, I'm good with what I have. I'm good being me. So I'm good at home by myself with these cheesy poofs. <laughs> cheesy. I mean, I mean, I'm good with that. I'm good with that, whether it's a good trade or not. So, you know. Dude, I mean, preach, man. I'm married. Cheesy poofs are life. You get the cheesy poofs and the girl. That's, yeah. I mean, that's that's 101 as far as I'm concerned. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's get, tough get, to get, get you a trade who can do both. Get you a trade who can that's our that's our new motto. Get you a trade who can do both when we play this game. <laughs> get, get you a trade who can do both. All right. Our first one. We are we're, we're pretty good looking guys t- today. We're we're Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook in the 103. And pops up onto the screen. Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears and Corey Davis of the Tennessee Titans. We'll start with our guest, Dan Myler. What are you thinking when you see this trade pop up on your screen? I think I think I think about it momentarily and end up swiping right because I want all the A-Rob shares. And I love Delvin. And everybody loves to to pick in the at the top of the draft. But when you suddenly say you get Corey Davis, who would fit in, in this conversation, um, just give me the two receivers that I can plug into my lineup right now, and, and I'll trade the running backs all day long. Can you fill in Corey Davis in your lineup right now, though? Can you? Well, in, in leagues that are deep and, and you got to put 10 or 11 guys on the, on the field and you're not playing kickers and defenses, I think Corey Davis is a starter for, for on most rosters. And if he's not, you're so dominant that you want it anyway. You want the upside of Corey <laughs> Davis. So uh, if this I, is a real trade, and I, I believe that this could be a real trade. It's definitely I'd like, real. I, I would really like to see uh, the, the thousand people that vote on it uh, when it's put on Twitter to see how it, how it shakes out. It, it was 50-50 when I checked it. Yeah, I mean, well, and I, I, I gave you some crap there, good Dan. I'm going to call you good Dan because you're actually hashtag good. Um, <laughs> good Dan has a point. I, I I'm down with that. I know what hashtag means. Yeah, no, you're good. Hash brown. <laughs> Hash brown good. SMH. Uh, but uh, so, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think, I think this A-Rob hate is so over the edge. Like, it's just – I don't know. I guess A Rob's now worth the 108 is what I'm supposed to believe on Twitter, uh, and it's just it's just not true. Give them all, give them all to me. But those are like the offers I'm getting as an A Rob owner. So um, I'm on board A Rob all day. All right, um, I'll give my side. I'll, I'll swipe right as well. Uh, for me, this breaks down to I'd much rather have Allen Robinson than Donald Cook. I like Cook, but Robinson's going to be a wide receiver one, low end wide receiver one at worst in Chicago. And then 103 versus Corey Davis. I think that Corey Davis would probably slot in at 102 in current rookie drafts. He's not going to go above Barkley, but I think I'd rather have Davis than Geis, but it's certainly close. And Dan, who for some reason has gotten his uh, SFB belt out, what, what? what do you need, Dan? God. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was, I had to go uh, polish this. I was busy being called the uh, bad Dan for some reason. Uh. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, bad, bad Dan, indeed. Okay. Kick my um, ass in SFB. I know that. <laughs> It'd be the only league I ever did that in. Um, so I, I think I think this is pretty darn close to the 50-50. I, I do like Corey Davis. I've always liked A-Rob. Um, but I think the 103 gets me a running back I like a little more than Corey Davis. And I think that maybe Dalvin and A-Rob are kind of a toss-up. I know there's been a lot of, I don't want to say hate, but a lot of talk about uh, Dalvin Cook of late. Um, I, I think, I think with Kirk Cousins coming in, if anything, it helps him the most. We want to think that it helps the wide receivers and Kyle Rudolph, but I think it really helps Dalvin Cook the most because that frees him up a little bit more. He's not going to be working in st- stacked boxes, so I think I'm going to be comfortable swiping left here just because I do like what I have. Let me. I will. I will stop you there and say, just valuation wise, when we're talking about the crazy hate for Allen Robinson, uh, Dalvin Cook is going ten picks higher than Allen Robinson. He's going. Robinson's going in the early second round. I'm sorry, in the early third round. Wrap your head around that, and Cook is going in the middle of the second. So, um, you know, that's nuts. Well, we can justify it because Mitchell Trubisky is not really very good. Yeah, well, and who's who's to say he's gonna get he's gonna get loaded up? He's not gonna get 180 targets because Blake Bortles is so good, Dan. Bad. Dan. Well, that's it was a lateral move. I mean, no, it's not okay. I, I'll actually, I, I'll just get into the weeds here. It's not a lateral move. There is one. One of these players has upside. One does not. Go watch Mitch Trubisky from 2017. Tell me what you see. Uh, coming from the guy who hated Carson Wentz. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> Next one on our on our screen. Uh, this time we're a little bald. We're Leonard Fournette, Elijah we're a little bald. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette, Elijah McGuire, Willie Sneed, and up pops on our screen. We've got quite quite a bit of assets going on here. Aaron Jones, Sterling Shepard, 
the 104, and the 201. And the big caveat here is it is super flex. So I guess I'll start us off here. I think that if this wasn't super flex, I think I would take the Fournette side just because he has much more upside than anything else on the other side. But the, t- the top tier, and obviously people talk about uh, Barkley being his own tier, but I think the big drop-off in rookie drafts is after two in, in normal and after four, after Rosen and Darnold in Superflex. So if I can guarantee myself one of Rosen and Dar- or Darnold with Aaron Jones, Shepard, and the 201, I'm willing to take that that combination of assets over Leonard Fournette, and I don't care about Elijah McGuire or Willie Sneed. Let me let me start by saying if if Sterling Shepard popped up on this app in real life, I'd probably swipe right. Um, <laughs> and I would have taken the 104 side if it wasn't super flex, but the fact that it is super flex makes it a big time sweep for this one. Um, Aaron Jones has a ton of upside. He very well could be the guy in Green Bay. I think maybe he and Jamal Williams share quite a bit of work. Uh, the 104 could be any of the top five quarterbacks, any of the top five running backs uh it just kind of depends on landing landing spots and 104 is a great spot to be picking 201 worth even more in super flex because now more of those guys are moving down you're either going to land yourself a high-end wide receiver or maybe a running back that maybe didn't get the greatest landing spot and slides a little bit um so yeah this one's pretty darn clear for me and, and i know there's a lot of people that love Fournette, but there's a lot of value on the other side i'm swiping right I'm one of those guys that love Fournette. I, I, I love to have him on my team, and, and I'm also swiping right on this one. And the thing that makes me do it isn't Jones, me being a Packer fan and a Jones supporter, or Shepard, a guy who I like Shepard, or the 104. It's the 201, and Dan, you touched on it there. That 201 is way more valuable in a Superflex league than it is in any other league. So uh, the chance to get one of those quarterbacks or one of the running backs that slide down and then also get what will be one of the five running backs, the three or four receivers, depending on what you think, or the three or four quarterbacks uh, to go with it in a super flex is too much to pass. So I'll swipe right and take Jones Shepard and the two draft picks. Yeah, there, there's a chance that the 201 nets you the wide receiver one in Superflex this year, some because Very of much. The, depth, the depth at running back and quarterback. So, I mean, more likely that it's the wide receiver two, wide receiver three, but regardless, there's certainly a lot of value with that 201. Our next one is going to be, this was a trade made by a trade cast member. We'll see who, who it was. Uh, first, Melvin, Tyreek, and a third. That's who we are. And onto our screen pops, Odell Beckham Jr. and the 309 start with Mr. Burtzlaff. You know, this is tough. I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very, I'm a Ty Freak supporter. um, And I'm not the biggest Melvin Gordon guy in the world, but I don't know. This is probably, this is, this is close. I I think Tyreek Hill has real nice upside, but I still think it's probably OBJ here. I guess I'll swipe right, but this feels really close. If not, I don't know. I could tell either way, given what day it is. But I guess for me, I'll just take the proven amazing could be the point one oh one for years and years and years to come versus the question mark in Gordon, uh, how much longer he's going to be worth the amount he's worth. And then Tyreek actually breaking out and turning into one of those top tier assets, like a, like a Brown or an OBJ. Go, go ahead, Mr. Myler. I, I, the reason I'm not talking is because I still haven't decided. I have one of them <laughs> circled. I have one of them circled on my sheet, but but it, the other one was circled and got scribbled out once, and, and I've been thinking about it for the entire episode. I think I'm going to take OBJ just because it's so close. So I'll swipe right as well. And, and what it comes down to for me, and a lot of times you you just hold on to what you have when it's really close. Uh, but for me, when it's when it's this close I like to go with the guy who can win me the week right now and I know Tyreek can do that and Melvin Gordon has proven that he can do it at times as well OBJ can do it for an entire season he can he can score three touchdowns every week for a month straight and nobody would be shocked I'd be pretty shocked if any of the others do that the draft picks don't matter in this one it's super close but I'll swipe right again OBJ all right I'm on the right side come on bad Dan take the other side Nathan, do you want to go first, or do you want me to walk through this? Sure, it's sure. obviously Dan's trade, then. <laughs> All right. So um, myself and former Bull Rush host Ty Miller um, made a trade in the hashtag Kadoosh27 league, and I was Melvin Gordon and Tyreek Hill, and that is my 2023rd, 20, I believe. 
Um, and I have a pretty good team. I'm I, I have the depth. Yes, level. because because where the third occurs really matters in this trade, Dan. <laughs> That's right. Well, it matters. I'm just I'm I'm clearing it up for the folks. All right. My, my you're, team's you're a, you're a good mid Midwestern boy calling people folks. Folks, vocals. Um, so my, my team's solid. I, I have plenty of depth, which again, we fought over little snippets of value. That's why it ended up being a third and a third swap. So I could at least feel like I was coming out on top because my third will probably be at least three Oh nine, uh, come that year, assuming my team doesn't completely die. But I, I have the depth where I could trade off two top end assets to get the top end asset or at least the top two. So I, I felt really comfortable in, in my reasoning for kind of getting rid of both two guys that I'm really high on is Tyreek Hill is with, with Sammy Watkins coming in. It doesn't change his floor at all. And I think he can remain hyper efficient like he has been. What I'm worried about is his room for growth. I don't see that ceiling going up, even with Mahomes back there. And we think, oh, he's just going to throw for 80 yards on every freaking play of Tyreek Hill. It's not going to happen. His, his efficiency is, is where it is. And I don't know that he's going to do much better than 105 or 110 targets, uh, especially with Sammy there now, who's going to absorb kind of what Albert, Albert Wilson had, maybe some of those lower end guys. So I think we're going to see all everyone in that offense be kind of around the same 110, 115 target share. And then obviously the, the running backs are going to eat plus all of those carries. And then Melvin Gordon, like Eric mentioned earlier, we don't know how much longer he's going to be relevant for. Um, his efficiency numbers are terrible. Obviously, he keeps paying the bills with running you know, backs shine bright, I mean, but they fizzle out. It's points. So I figure he's got a couple of years left tops, you know, as the high end RB1 producer. And OBJ is still young. He's coming off of an injury and he's got potentially new landing spot. So, I mean, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, aside from probably Antonio Brown. Uh, but OBJ can do so much and he can win you a week, like Myler said, any, every week. Every week can be a winning week. Um, and we know that Tyreek can do that. OBJ just does it more consistently. And, and you've got a true wide receiver one here rather than kind of a wishy-washy, um, maybe kind of fluky production. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the OB, new OBJ owner. I, I swipe right. All right. I'll wrap up the, this segment and the show by saying I am, you know, a lot of agreement here. I also would take Odell Beckham Jr. here. I think this is simply a case of a difference between a, two very good NFL players and one of the best NFL players we've ever seen. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a wide receiver one, you know, for the next seven, eight, nine, ten years. I'm not sure there's that, that kind of longevity with uh, Melvin and Tyreek. Certainly that doesn't really fit the three-year window narrative or things like that. But there's so much, you know, obviously the Coke video or whatever was going on in Odell Beckham's, you know, videos. Uh, but there's just safety and longevity of how good he is on the football field. So I'll take Odell Beckham Jr., and that will be the show for today. Let's wrap us Woo. up here. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. I uh, want to say thank you to our guest, Dan Mailer. Myler. God, why Myler, can't I geez. say your last name? Eric, come on. Done, ah. done hosting. You just <laughs> shut your computer off. Yeah, I would I'll, like I'll... to say thank you to our great host, Dan Myler. <laughs> Damn, Make I sure you go stolen. check out all of his stuff at DLF on the DLF podcast, all of his writing. And uh, he's not super active on Twitter, but maybe we can kind of poke the bear a little bit and get him to say a few more things on Twitter. Yeah, good luck with that. I'll I'll try. I'm on there a lot, <laughs> but people piss me off too fast. None of you guys on Twitter. Are you sure uh, you're talking I, about Twitter? Just hang out <laughs> yeah. with our circle, and and then I'm off, and I give it up for a couple of days. But I appreciate you guys having me. It's always fun chatting with you guys, and uh, look forward to doing it again someday in the future. All right. Well, on that note, for Dan, good Dan, bad Dan, Nathan, and myself, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Take it easy, guys.
Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.